This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. While I've got your attention, I'm letting you know about my new book, More Than Just a Baby, A Guide to Surrogacy for Intended Parents and Surrogates, is available on my website at sarahjefford.com. You can find all the details there. It is the only guide to surrogacy in Australia and it covers everything from the processes and laws, how to find a surrogate or intended parents, and everything in between from finding all the way through to the fourth trimester. You can find it on the website and you can also contact me if you have any questions. I'm at sarah at sarahjefford.com. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Hannah, who lives in South Australia and became a mum last year when her cousin delivered her baby girl, Amara. Um, Hannah was not able to carry her own child because she has MRKH, I'm not going to try and pronounce that, but if you're interested in more information about it, I've put some links up on the post. Um, So Hannah knew from uh, quite a number of years ago that she couldn't carry a baby and her cousin made the offer all the way back when she had her original diagnosis. Uh, Hannah's going to tell her story much better than I am, so I'm going to hand over to her now. Here is Hannah. Uh, Hi, my name's Hannah Smith and I am 32 years old and I live in South Australia my surrogacy journey started way back in the teenage years um, when i was finally diagnosed with mrkh um, after seeing numerous specialists as to why i wasn't you know going through the normal normal puberty um, things and so it's quite a late diagnosis at 21 um, but yeah diagnosed at 21 so have had a few years um, to deal with all the emotional stuff before actually getting ready to go into surrogacy. Um, not that it you know, ever completely is something you get over, but um, yeah, had the diagnosis for a good 10 years before actually starting the surrogacy process. Yeah. It must be quite challenging, though, to be diagnosed with MRKH often when you're a teenager or in sort of young adulthood that you're, the first part of the discussion is you won't be able to carry your own baby when you're probably not really thinking about babies at that stage. Did you have a, any support from other people that had MRKH? No, not at that point. Um, the doctor that diagnosed me, Professor Norman, um, said there was like a couple of cases in Australia if I wanted to be connected to someone. Um, but at that point, I kind of just wanted to deal with it on my own it was kind of like a a shame type thing I didn't really want to talk about it yeah and actually I think that's really important for even even just for talking about it now because I do talk to lots of women that have MRKH and I think there is a lot of shame around it or they feel a lot of shame around it um but these days there seems to be a lot more support I know there's organizations focused on supporting women with MRKH yes yeah there's um, a Facebook group that I'm in and um, yeah even just chatting with more women that are you know diagnosed and coming into the surrogacy community um, it's it's nice to be one of the people on the other side. Tell me then how did you come to surrogacy as the option to have a bub? Um, I guess it was my first option I didn't really look into adoption at all um, surrogacy I kind of always wanted my own genetic bubs um, And I had that offer quite young from my cousin to be my surrogate. Um, So it was just the 
the way that it was going to go um, from early days. It was put on the back burner. My cousin offered when I was quite young. Um, so I kind of put it on the back burner until I was ready. So I didn't really think of any other options such as adoption or fostering or anything like that. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. How old was your cousin when she offered? Uh, it would have been, she would have been mid-twenties, mid-twenties, yeah, mid to late-twenties when she offered and I was, yeah, early, early-twenties. So. What a lovely gesture. Had she had her children before then, before offering? She'd had one. I think she, it was in between her first and second that she'd offered. Um, obviously, it was for the future. She was going to finish having her kids first because um, we knew I wasn't ready at that point when she offered, but that's just something she had to put out there, um, you know, at the time to let me know that when I was ready, she was yeah, um, interested in helping me out. Yeah. Did that have any impact then and perhaps later when she was pregnant in terms of the extended family dynamic? Because it's my understanding is it's your mum's niece is the cousin yeah. that offered. What yeah. was that like for the extended family knowing that she was carrying a baby for you? Um, majority of it was, yeah, very positive. Um, you know, the grandparents and all that supported it and were excited and I think having... It, within the family, they already knew Lee. They didn't have to, you know, meet someone new that was going to be carrying my baby. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I think Lee's mum was a little bit concerned early days just with health, you know, your normal health pregnancy concerns. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't think it was much of an issue once we kind of got things, the ball rolling and um, underway, yeah. So uh, you then decided to pursue surrogacy as a single mum. Um, did you have to do IVF to get your own eggs? Yes, yep. Yeah. So that's how it all kind of started because um, I had the MRKH diagnosed at 21. I always knew I'd need my eggs retrieved at some point if I was going to go ahead with surrogacy. Um, kind of put it on the back burner while I did my uni degree and started working um, and then when I realised I was coming up to 30, I thought I should probably look into it because, you know, the older you get, you know, less quality eggs you get. Um, so, yeah, coming up to 30, I went to the doctors to chat about retrieving my eggs and that's when I found out that I had quite a low um, AMH as well. Um, my AMH was only six, um, which is really low for a 30-year-old. Um, I think that was on par with, like, a 40-year-old's egg. Um, reserves um, so yeah the, um, that was another you know blow to that I wasn't really expecting I thought it would be you know the easy part of the process would be retrieving the eggs and you know um, but finding out that I might not get many eggs either that was another you know <laughs> hurdle to cross um, so yeah went in and retrieved my eggs um, and froze them and then it was between the first and second retrieval that um, I actually started considering going the embryo route and surrogacy. Um, it was someone at the clinic that actually asked why I wasn't freezing embryos. And I was like, you know, I'm not, not married, not ready for the kids. Uh, don't have, you know, that partner yet. Um, and that really got me thinking, going, well, do I need that partner? Can I do it on my own? Um, so I thought about it for a bit, went and spoke to Lee to see if she was still willing um, to help 
<laughs> me have a bubs, even though I wasn't in a in a relationship. So we hadn't broached that topic for a good eight years. I reckon it was from her first offering to me bringing it back up. Um, and yes, yeah, she went and spoke to her partner, and they were still, you know, willing to help out. So second round of retrieving my eggs, we made some embryos with some donor sperm from the clinic, um, and then I did a third retrieval as well because we only got two embryos in that in that second retrieval um and they you know you don't want to go into you know if you can have more than two it's, it's better to have more than two if possible so we went for a third round um and got another five embryos <laughs> that round so went into the process with seven embryos um and eight eggs frozen from the first round as well great yeah. so did you then go straight ahead into the surrogacy from there yeah, yeah, pretty much um, from her saying yes. Um, we were looking into all our options. Well, uh, it wasn't going to be as easy as we first thought, thinking, oh, yep, I've got the surrogate underway, I've got my embryos frozen. Um, we then found out that we couldn't actually go ahead with the surrogacy um, in South Australia because I was single and that wasn't allowed at the time. Um, so... It was put back a couple of months to figure out how to go about it um, until we found a way kind of around the system a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much straight into the counselling and legals and all that from there, yeah. Great. And tell me about the embryo transfers. How many did Lee have to have? Um, so it was the second one that was successful. Um, so the first one was such a weird experience. <laughs> like the people that have been through it, it's so in person like it's just yeah just a procedure that's done in like five ten minutes and oh it's unusual but exciting at the same time um but yeah we left that one flew back to to adelaide fingers crossed that that would be the only one we needed to do but but knowing that it you know it's like a one in four roughly chance of it working um so yeah and round um so back to Sydney for round two and yeah that one stuck and really thankful that we've got some left in the freezer in case in case the sibling journey is going ahead or not um, but yeah so two transfers we were pretty pretty lucky um, and thankful for that um, yeah and is Lee local to you yep we both live in South Australia so she's about 35 40 minutes away from my house yeah and did that make it easier for you to be able to support her and her family during the pregnancy? Yes, being close by um, definitely helped. I don't know how I would have gone with it, like an interstate journey. Um, yeah, Lee, Lee didn't accept, well, didn't ask for help very much and um, us both working full time. And um, I did find it hard in the areas that I could have helped um, probably a bit more. And we've all got um, dietary requirements and she's got fussy eaters and just bits and pieces with everyday life I, you know was a bit difficult to help with but definitely having all the appointments close to home and being able to go visit you know whenever we needed to or wanted to was good um, yeah now I know you're actually a midwife what was it like watching your cousin be your surrogate and also being a midwife was was your anxiety higher perhaps because you're a healthcare worker um Yes, I think it was a bit, <laughs> um, just knowing what could happen. I kind of, in my head, wanted to know that baby was moving every day, but didn't want to be that annoying person going, are we good, are we good, are we good, like every day. Um, 
but I knew she would come to me obviously if something wasn't right she would you know come and call me or tell me which did occur on a few occasions we did have a few early pregnancy scares um but yeah my anxiety was a bit high with not not being the one in control knowing what was happening every day <laughs> um but it was also a bonus because I could go over and listen with the Doppler every now and then and have a feel of bubs and know what I was feeling and um, appointment wise kind of I knew what to expect at each appointment um, and things like that so yeah I think it was very beneficial to have that background. Yeah um, so tell me about the birth what was that like? Um, amazing for me <laughs> um, it was a bit tough for Lee all her births in the past have been very straightforward natural no intervention um and amara's birth was induced um in the end um which in some ways was good because i didn't miss it lee labors very quickly and i was worried that i was gonna miss the birth um her last one was like two hours or something crazy like that um so we didn't induce for that reason but we did push the induction the doctors wanted her to be induced at 38 weeks um, we were able to push it back to 39 and 5 just to try and give um, her body a bit of a chance to go into labour itself. Did a few cervix like stretch and sweeps and the expressing and doing all those things to try to get labour going, um, but it didn't. So we went in for an induction, had her waters broken and, you know, climbed the stairs for a bit trying to get things happening. Um, then we started the hormone after. I think things were niggling, but just not enough. Um, so we started the hormone drip um, to get labour going. Um, so she wasn't used to all the, the monitors and the drips and all that was new for her. Um, and it does intensify things quite quickly, the hormone drip, for anyone that hasn't been through it. Um, being a midwife, I, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> um, obviously, I haven't experienced myself, but I have seen a lot of inductions. And it's, it's not a, a fun process. It, it's forcing the body into labour quite quickly. Um, but once she did get going in the afternoon, it was kind of only, I think, about two hours from her really strong contraction where she goes, okay, yep, I'm in labour now. Um, Bob's to be born. So um, reasonably quick still. <laughs> Even though we're in there, I think, seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and Amy was born. Um, but we only started the hormone drip at lunchtime around. 12 o'clock I reckon so it was probably two hours of hormones before the contractions really started going and then two hours of active labour um, and yeah being a midwife I, I got the pleasure of delivering my own baby I was hands-on no gloves um, straight into my arms which was absolutely amazing I, yeah I, the birth couldn't have gone more straightforward that's me. pretty special yeah. being able to catch bub and being a midwife, so sort of experiencing yeah. it from that side as well. Amazing. Yeah. I, I was a bit worried before it all happened, thinking, is it just going to be a clinical birth to me? Like, is it just going to be another birth? Are my emotions going to be there? Or is my head going to be in the midwife mindset of this is what we're doing? Um, but no, definitely. As soon as I could start seeing her head, oh, the excitement was, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't contain it. I was jumping around behind <laughs> She was on all four, so she couldn't see me bouncing around, but I was very excited as soon as I could, yeah, start seeing Bob's head. Um, it, yeah, the tears came, the emotions came. There was, there was no concern um, about the bonding or anything like that once, once I could. 
Had you been yeah. worried about that, that you might not be able to bond with Bub because you weren't carrying her? A little bit. Um, I, not, not, there was a lot of other things happening during the pregnancy that I didn't think heaps about it. Um, but it, it's a concern. But no, as soon as I saw her and held her, I knew she was mine. Like, there's no doubt um, that I was not going to bond with her. Um, and then even stronger, I did end up breastfeeding as well. So um, that was amazing. And just that extra bond was great, yeah. Amazing. And it must have been quite lovely having the whole family, the extended family, celebrating with you. That's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially since a bit affected um, on Christmas, kind of ruined everyone's Christmas a little bit because we were in hospital with um, at 14 weeks with a with possibly losing her with a threatened miscarriage. So Christmas time wasn't that great and I kind of felt a bit guilty ruining everyone's Christmas a bit. Um, so the following Christmas was, yeah, amazing with the six-month-old running around and, you know, really getting to enjoy it with all the family and all that support close by was great, yeah. Tell me about your experiences inducing lactation. Was that really tough? Um, I mean, it's a lot of work. I wouldn't have, um, wouldn't recommend waiting till baby bubs is born. I left it a little bit late and wasn't, I wasn't as prepared as I should have been. So usually you start earlier in the pregnancy and start all the hormones and the pumping. But um, because I was an uncle midwife, I, I, I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of being able to pump every two hours, um, being on call, driving around. Um, births, labours. Um, so I actually did leave it a bit late um, and only started once Bubs was born. But I'm so thankful I did. It, it was hard work, a lot of hours pumping, but worth it. I did a lot of supply line feeds early days, so putting her to the breast, but she's still getting the milk through the, the little supply line bottle. Um, and then once my milk kind of came in, I just attached her to the breast for breastfeeds and then did bottle top-ups. Um, most feeds she would need a top-up, but, um, yeah, I, it was so worth it, that bond, and just amazing that the body can click over even though it hasn't been pregnant and produce milk is, yeah, astonished me, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty special. Um, tell me, now, Amara must be, what, 14 months. What's happened yeah. in the last 14 months between you and Lee? What's your relationship like these days? Oh, great like um she comes up occasionally with the girls so her three girls she's got three girls um and they love playing with amara early days they weren't too interested in her because she didn't do much you know just a little baby doesn't do much but um now that she's a bit older they do enjoy playing with her and um obviously covid's put a bit of a halt to the the last few months but um yeah looking forward to getting back into lots of catch-ups and when summer hits nice weather a lot of yeah a lot of opportunities to do some gatherings and yeah being family i know we're always going to be there it's not like we're going to lose contact or anything like that because you know we're family we're always going to be in each other's lives which is yeah amazing to be able to having me grow up with her around is, yeah was having a family member did that present any other challenges that you think may maybe other teams wouldn't experience um, not really. Um, 
if it's just made us closer, if anything, I don't, I didn't find any downfalls to having it a family member involved. No, if anything, yeah, yeah, no, only, only good things to say about having a family member as a surrogate, mm. yeah. Um, if we were thinking about perhaps a young woman that's been diagnosed with MIKH and probably feeling quite overwhelmed with that diagnosis, would you have any advice for her and, and what to think about in terms of growing her family? Just uh, looking into the egg retrieval and counselling, really making sure you've had a lot of counselling and that you're mentally prepared for what's going to happen. Um, having lots of family support, don't try and hide it from you know friends and family because um, you're going to need the support. Um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's such an emotional topic and I think it doesn't really get spoken about. Like you say, it's, if, if it's such a rare condition, as the doctors say, that there must be other women out there and young girls that are hearing about it and feeling quite isolated and alone. So even just talking about it, I think, is really helpful. Yeah, <laughs> You know, I've had 10 years not talking about it, but not many of my friends growing up really knew about it. Obviously, close family did, but it's just that kind of hidden little secret that it's not a secret anymore. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful that my journey is on the other side and I've got my beautiful girl in my arms. Um, it, it's a tough journey and you're always a little bit, yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's so worth it on the other side, just taking it day by day and, and communicating, talking about it. Don't hold things in. If you need to see someone, go and talk to someone. Don't, like, contain it and think you have to deal with it all yourself. Um, there's people out there to help you. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I heard you mention something about a, a sibling journey. Is that on the cards or is that just something to, you know, maybe think about in a few years? Um, I would love her to grow up with a sibling um, coming from, you know, I've got a brother and sister myself and I would love her to have a sibling um, financially, whether it will happen, I'm not sure. Um, it's not a cheap process as everyone that's been through it does know it's not cheap. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to think that it, there will be a sibling journey at one day. Um, like I said, I've already got the eggs and embryos ready um, if, if it does. So, yeah, hopefully one day, maybe, you know, four or five years down the track when we start school um, and I can go back to work and save some more cash. <laughs> Just, yeah, the financial side, doing it on your, on your own is tough, being that kind of single intended parent, um, the one income. But, yeah, we've managed and I'm still off work. I haven't had to go back yet, which is amazing that I get to spend all this time off with her. Um, just in case it is my only journey, just as much time as possible with her, which I'm loving. Yeah. Yeah, enjoy it. Thank you yeah. <laughs> for chatting with me, Hannah. I'm going to put up some links for MIKH support resources. Um, but yes, thank you. That was amazing. Did you have any other advice for anyone that's listening? Um, oh, I've gone blank. Sorry, I got all emotional at the end. That's I've right. gone a bit blank, but um, happy to 
have people reach out and have further chats with anyone that, you know, might be in the same boat as me or similar. Um, yeah, just wanting to help as many people as possible. And yeah. Thank you. And congratulations on being a mum. Thank you. <laughs> it's yeah, definitely oh, the whole journey. It's been so worth it. Like you, you forget some of the, the hard times, like it was hard, but you kind of forget it. It's, on the other end of it and you've got an amazing baby that yeah it's it's completely worth it I'm, yeah so thankful to everyone that's been involved and you've been part of my journey yeah especially Lee thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.